glad to see God's blessings upon your church and that the Lord's blessing you. We need to pray for the preacher's family, about his uncle, and of course the nuns that were, were not here tonight because of sickness. And, uh, but we'll be praying for them and praying for that. And I hope you'll pray for me trying to preach. It's good to see so many of you. I won't start naming names. If I do, I'll, I'll miss somebody and somebody's feelings get hurt. But I'm, I'm so glad to be with you tonight. If you'll take your Bible and turn to 1 Samuel chapter number 21. 1 Samuel 21. I preached last week a meeting and I was actually a little bit under the weather last week. And I preached some and, uh, last week and I was down for a couple of days, uh, just some kind of a virus. I, I tested to see if I had that, uh, you know, that Hong Kong stuff, <laughs> but, but I didn't have it. And uh, man, we got so many flus out there now. There's the Hong Kong and the ping pong and the, <laughs> everything else, ain't there? And uh, you know, I'll tell you what you got to do. You're just going to have to pray and do the best you can and go on, ain't you? That's all you can do. And, uh, you know, just keep going. And, uh, you know, the Lord could take me out with anything anytime he gets ready. But I hope, Brother Steve, I go by the way of the rapture. I, I hope I do. You know, Brother Bobby Robertson, my good friend, Brother Bobby, used to always talk about going out by the way of the rapture. And, uh, and I, I, was, I was there with him actually when he died. And I thought about, you know, uh, Brother, Brother Bobby... Uh, he, he, but he don't care now. He's there, but but you know I'd like to bypass the cemetery if I could, and just go on and and get raptured out, wouldn't you? And you know it could happen, it could happen, and so uh, we need to just keep our eyes on the on the sky, saying you know the trumpet could sound at any second, couldn't it? In First Samuel twenty-one, did I tell you where to turn? First Samuel twenty-one. And verse number, uh, I'm going to begin in verse number one, and I'm going to read several verses. And it says, Then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David, and said unto him, Why art thou alone, and no man with thee? And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business. Think about that. The king hath commanded me a business. And uh, he said, and hath said unto me, let no man know anything of the business. Whereabout I send thee and what I've commanded thee, and I've appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now therefore, what is under thine hand, give me five loaves of bread in mine hand, or what is there present? And the priest answered, David, and said, there is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread, if the young man have kept themselves at least from women. And David answered the priest and said unto him, of a truth, women have been kept from us about these three days since I came out. And the vessels of the young men are holy and the bread is in a manner common. Yea, uh, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So the priest gave him hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belonged to Saul. And David said to Ahimelech, And is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business requireth haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it, for there is none other save that here. And David said, There is none other like it. Give it me. And David rose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. Now I want you to back up if you would and look at verse number uh, uh, eight. And, and David made this statement and he said, because the king's business required haste. Do you see that? And, and David said, I, I need a sword or a spear. 
do you have one here? And he said, well, uh, I, I don't. Uh, he said, except the one that you gave me to put up for you that was the one that you took from Goliath when you slew him. And David said, give it me. There's none like it. There's none like that one. Give it to me. And, and so he took it. And David said, I did not bring my sword nor my spear. I didn't bring that with me because the king's business required haste. In other words, I had to leave in a hurry. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach to you tonight on the king's business. The king's business. So let's pray. And our Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll help me tonight to preach in a way, Lord, that it'll help people, that they'll get help. Lord, I'm not interested in preaching good sermons. Uh, Lord, I'm interested in helping people. And so tonight, Lord, may this message be one that is a tool in the hand of your servant tonight, God, that will be used to be a blessing to the saints of God. And may people's hearts be stirred within them And may they be moved to serve you better and love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me give you the setting of the story here. You remember how David killed Goliath. And and boy, I mean, what a victory that he'd slayed this undefeated heavyweight champion of, of the Philistines that the army of Israel couldn't do anything with him. They were afraid of him. And Saul was backed up. And uh, he was afraid of Goliath and of the Philistines. They were cursing uh, God and making light of God. And so uh, David shows up. You remember that? He went up to see his brothers and, and, and he asked what was going on. And they said, this uh, giant has is, is backed us down. And, and David said, well, why? He said, uh, this is there not a cause, he said. This needs to be stopped. And so David said, I'll fight him. And so Saul Uh, Saul said, you're just a youth. But he said, uh, if you want to take him on, then here's my equipment. He handed him his helmet and his coat of mail and put his uniform, uh, his uh, fighting outfit on David. And David, uh, uh, when he put it on, Saul was head and shoulders bigger than any of the other men. And he said, uh, uh, David said back to Saul, I cannot go with these for I've not yet proved them. He said, this is, it's too big. It don't fit. There's no way for me to use this. And so David walks over to his to his little chariot, their little carriage, and gets out of there a shepherd's bag and his staff. In other words, a stick and a leather pouch and his sling. And David said, "I'm going in the name of the Lord of Hosts." And David went down there and killed Goliath. And you know that story well. Uh, David takes Goliath's sword and cuts his head off and brings his head back and lays it at the feet of Saul. And boy, what a victory. The Philistines were running and news got into town and they wrote a song. The ladies of the city wrote a song about David, uh, about uh, uh, Saul hath slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. Well, that day, uh, Saul, when he heard that, uh, the jealousy that was already in him wailed up. And he said, what more has he got but the kingdom? And, uh, and, and so he, he got jealousy in him because he wasn't right, you see. Jealousy can get in a person because there's already a problem and the jealousy takes in. And so Saul got that way and he got to the point that he wanted to kill David. I won't go into all of it, but he wanted David dead. Well, David and Saul's son, Jonathan, had become best friends. And they were, they were the best, the very best of friends. And Jonathan was trying to look out for David. And so one day he told David, David, you go out into the field and hide on the other side of the field. And I'll bring my little uh, uh, boy with me that runs after my arrows when I practice. And I will shoot. And if I shoot the arrows on this side of you where you're hid out, That'll mean it's safe to come in. But if the arrows go beyond your head and they go over beyond you, he said, uh, then, uh, he said, then you need to, you need to go. It'll mean that it's not safe to come in. And you know, sometimes, brother, uh, Steve, there's times when arrows go over your head and there's nothing you can do about it. Do you know that? You know, sometimes arrows go over your head and there's not a thing you can do about it. Sometimes it's a relationship you can't fix. There's nothing, uh, people won't maybe accept an apology. Or they're just, uh, and there's nothing you can do about it. You did what you could, but the arrows went over your head. And so David watched those arrows as they went over him. And, and, and when the little uh, boy left to take the artillery back into town, back into the palace there, 
David and Jonathan met and they hugged and wept. And, and, and Jonathan said, David, you've got to run. Now, this is what I believe. I believe that David thought that Jonathan was going to be able to talk to his daddy and everything was going to be okay. That's why David did not take a sword. That's why there was no weapons with him. He thought it was going to be peace. David goes out there and hides out with no weapons. David didn't want war. But now he knows he has to run for his life. He has nothing. He has no weapon. And so he runs and he goes to the house of the priest and he's got men with him. He's got his men. There were some men that left with David that loved David and they went with David and uh, David stopped and they were hungry. And he said, we'd like to have something to eat. Do you have any bread? He said, well, I got this show, uh, this show bread that we're going to remove out and put the hot bread in. We'll, we'll, we'll give that to you and give you that bread. And then he asked him about, why are you here? What's, what's going on? What are you doing? He said, I'm sent on business for the king. Do you see that? Look there if you would. Uh, look what he said in verse number two. Uh, Ahimelech asked him about why was he there. And he said, <coughs> he said to, that the king hath commanded me a business. Do you see that? He said, the king hath commanded me a business. Now look at it in verse number two. Let no man know of anything of the business, but the king hath commanded me a business. And then later down in verse number eight, uh, he said this, why was he in a hurry? And he said, because the king's business requires haste. And you know, I saw that and I thought about you and me, that tonight that the king has required of us a business. We're, we're, you and I tonight are to be in the king's business. That's right. You're, uh, now, uh, however deep you want to get in it, you can get in it. A person says, well, I want to be part-time. Well, you can be part-time or full-time or bless God, you can work overtime. Amen. Right. Whatever you want to do. But you can be in the king's business. And by the way, uh, sometimes uh, that God has to let things come in our life to make us see that we need to get in the king's business. You see what I'm trying to tell you tonight? But uh, the king's business, David said, requires haste. Now, this is what I think in the day you and I are living. You and me are supposed to be in the king's business. You remember when old Jonah backslid and got on that boat and was, and was going to Tarshish, but he's supposed to be going to Nineveh. You remember that? Do you know that them unsaved mariners, those unsaved sailors, do you know that they said to, to Jonah, what is thine occupation? Uh, what's your occupation? And you know, I think in some ways he was sort of embarrassed to tell him, well, I'm supposed to be in the king's business, but I really ain't. I'm, I'm trying to get out of his business. But friend, let me tell you, when you get saved, you're in. I mean, you're in. And uh, you're in it. I mean, you're, you're, you're a child of God. And the Bible said we're not our own. Amen. We're bought with a price. It's sort of like joining the army. Years ago, back in the 70s, back in the early 70s, I got out of high school and, and uh, I had a little old job, but they wasn't half working. And I said, man, I need something. You know, I got married right out of high school. I said, I need something I can make a living. And so uh, uh, I, I was having a tough time getting a job. And I went up to the recruiter's office and talked to him about joining the army. And, uh, and, and, and I don't remember why, but I didn't join that day, but they told me to come back the next day. Come back the next day. Brother Steve, I'd been putting in applications uh, and uh, uh, I'd been putting in applications and that night a, a business called and, and offered me a job and I took it and I didn't go back. That recruiter called me and said, uh, you, are you coming in today? And I said, no, sir, I'm not coming in. I said, I've been, I've, I got a job and they've called me to work and I'm going, to, I'm going to take the job. But you know what? I was within a few hours of becoming the property of the United States Army. Are, are you seeing what I'm going to say? And once you sign that, once you sign that dotted line, neighbor, you're in. Amen. They was going to tell you when to get up, what to eat, how much to eat, when to go to bed. Praise God. 
uh, what to wear, what color to wear, what to, how many eggs to eat, everything. Amen. I mean, you know why? Because I would have become their, I would have become theirs. Well, you know when you get saved, you do you know when you get saved, you you changed ownership. You see, you as a you as a child of disobedience, and and by nature the children of wrath, until you got saved. When you got saved, thank God, you got in the family of the King. And to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Amen. And you said, well, you're not no king. You're not. Yes, you are. You read Revelations chapter number one. Brother Steve, it not only said we're kings, we're kings and priests. That's right. And we're, we're in the king's business tonight. Now, let me say this, that number one, and I want to give you this, it is a required business. The king business is a required business because the days are dangerous. Folks, we're living in dangerous days in the day we live. Do you know something? Your pastor and, and, and the trio tonight sang that beautiful old song about the lighthouse, about the lighthouse. I like that song. Do you know? I love it. You know what we're supposed to be? Lights. We're supposed to be lights everywhere we go. We're supposed to put out light. We're to put out light wherever we go. And listen, that because the world is dark. You say, well, pastor, how dark is it? Well, Paul told us over in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he said this, uh, uh, know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. You know what that means? Dark times, hard times, uh, rough times. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, and having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Does that sound like anything you recognize? Sounds like the day we're living to me. They're dark days. And you know what you and me are to be? We're to be in the king's business because the days are dark and you and me are to set out light. Everywhere we go, we're to put out light. I heard uh, many years ago, Brother Pope, I had uh, 21 years in a row, Dr. Lee Robertson come preach for me. 21 years in a row, I had Dr. Robertson. And he told a story I'll never forget about a little old boy that lived in England back in the days when they had the street lamps. You know, that they, they, they had lamp lighters. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about, a lamp lighter? They'd have, men would come by and they would light the street lights. They'd light them. A lamp lighter would come and light them. And this little boy, one evening at supper time, and getting, getting dusk dark, and mama couldn't find him. And she looked everywhere for the little boy and, uh, and went out on the street and looked and seen him standing, uh, looking at a ladder, and this man's up on a ladder with a with a, one of these uh, uh, torches, lighting these street lights. And the mother come over there, and she said, "Son, what are you doing? I've been looking for you. What are you doing?" And he said to his mother, "Mama, he said, I'm standing here watching this man punch holes in the darkness. He's punching holes in the dark. You know what he means? Every time that he lights the lamp." A hole goes in the dark right here. And when he moves down a few yards and he lights another one, he punches a hole in the dark over there. You know what you and me are supposed to be doing uh, in the king's business? We're supposed to be punching holes in the dark. Everywhere we go, we are to be a lighthouse. You see, because men's lives are they're ruined. I mean, they're wrecked. You know, Saturday, I was out on uh, the street over in Lexington, over there where I run a bus route. And I was over there visiting my bus route. And I, I stopped by the shelter over there. And there's a family side called the Genesis House where people come. And it's amazing. It's amazing. But uh, uh, there's people that, uh, that uh, whole families were in there with nowhere to live. And, and I, I went by there to visit some people and was trying to get them. And I was standing there and this man... Uh, uh, seen me coming out of there. This man seen me coming out of one side and he said, sir, aren't you a, a, a pastor? I said, I am. He said, could you help me? And I said, well, I will if I can't. He said, just who is Jesus Christ? Come on, bro. Who is he? Just like that. I mean, that's how he started the conversation. 
I said, sir, he's God. That's the best answer I know to give him. I said, he's God. I said, he's the God man. I said, he's all man and all God. And I said, he was born. He was sent here from God to be our savior, our redeemer. And he was born of a virgin. And, 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 and I tried to explain to this man. And it's hard to believe that you meet people today that don't know one thing about God. Not a thing. I'm talking to this man. We talked a little while and I got ready to leave him and I turned and I got ready to leave and there was another man standing behind me, just standing right behind me and I turned around and there was a man staffed there. Brother Pope, he was wrapped up in a blanket, just standing there wrapped up in a blanket, just standing there staring at me, uh, cold and uh, pitiful looking. And he said, sir, can you help me? He said, the devil has got my mind. The devil has taken over my mind and has taken over my body. And, and, and he said, a mental institution brought me here and put me out. I seen the band on his arm where he'd been hospitalized. Pitiful. And he's telling the truth. And you know what though? My job and your job is out here in the world to be a light. You know what? Neither one of those men had no light. Now, all men have some light. All men have some light. Men know there's a God. And Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. But when Jesus left here, he put you and me in the king's business. And he said, now you're to pick up my business. In Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Amen. You shall be witnesses. You're to be a witness everywhere you go. And God will make a way if you'll do it. Amen. You have to make an effort. You have to be out there. You have to be available. See, the king's business requires uh, uh, haste because it's a required business. Then let me, it's not only is it a required business, it's a revealed business. God don't just put you out there. He tells you the details. He tells you what he wants you to do. Amen. You know, whenever, whenever Noah built the ark, he didn't just go out and build whatever he wanted to build. God told him how many windows was to be in the ark. Did he not? One, right at the top of it. How many doors? One, the ark was a type of the Lord Jesus. It only had one door. Jesus said, I am the door. Amen. He told him what kind of wood to use, how long it was supposed to be, how tall it was supposed to be, how broad it was supposed to be. God will give you the details. But you know, you got the details, but are you on the job? Are you in the king's business? Are you listening? Are you in the king's business? And God puts people in our path. You just got to make an effort to get in the business. You got to show up on the job, you see. Do you know he gave, uh, he gave Moses, he gave, he, in the revealed business, he gave Moses the dimensions and the, uh, the, everything about the tabernacle. Everything about it. And you know something else? It only had one door, didn't it? Jesus adored it. But he told him all about them uh, badgers' hides they were to use and what color the dime and what color cloth and what the priest outfit was supposed to be like. Every single thing about that, uh, everything about that tabernacle, God revealed it because he revealed it to Moses and it was a revealed business because it was the king's business. Are you following me, you see? What about Nehemiah building the walls of Jerusalem back? He gave him what to do, didn't he? Remember he went out there in the night and, and rode through the rubble and sat down and wept and cried and asked God to help him. And God helped Nehemiah and showed him everything to do. And in 52 days, they put them walls all back up. Amazing, amazing. But you know what they did? It said every man was in the king's business. You know what will build Calvary Baptist Church? If everybody here will get in business. Now, I think this church has the idea. I think you do. I think you got the idea about it. And, and, but everybody here can do something. You ought to find what God wants you to do. Now, there are some things he wants all of us to do. One thing God wants us to do wants, in the king's business, he wants us all to be here, don't he? 
Then God wants us all to pray. God wants us all to study his word. God wants all of us to tithe and give offerings. God wants all of us to praise him and sing to him, doesn't he? There's things that God wants all of us to do, but then there's other things God wants you to do. God wants you to be a witness for him. Yeah, I was talking about a while ago. If, if you'll just get on the job, God will put people in your path. You know, going back to that preacher, been over at that shelter here a few weeks ago, probably, oh, I don't know, eight weeks ago, eight, nine weeks ago. I was at the shelter over there in that family side. I was over there visiting. And I knocked on some doors down in there. I was talking to families, trying to get them in church and get them to go to Sunday school with me. And I got ready to knock on a door. And this woman said, sir, there's no use to knock on that door right there. That woman just moved in there last night. She's Hispanic and she speaks not one word, not a word of English, not one word. There's no use to knock on her door. You know, I almost walked away from the door. And then it dawned on me, I speak five or six words of Spanish. Brother Melvin, you know that's true, don't you? And I said, well, I speak, I speak five or six words of Spanish. So I ain't going to not knock on her door if I can speak five words to her. So I knocked on the door. And she opened the door. And uh, a, a young lady, I guess in her, uh, maybe she might be I, I, probably 25, 26, 27, I don't know, somewhere in that neighborhood and had a little baby there. And, 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 and I said, El Pastor, Cox. And I said, uh, Iglesia, mañana, tomorrow. Church, tomorrow. Pastor Cox, church, tomorrow. El Pastor, Iglesia, mañana. And then I said, Arubus, Arubus, mañana. She said, see, I know that meant yes. So Brother Steve, I said, I'm getting somewhere here. So I said, 8.30. She said, see. I said, manana, iglesia, autobus, see. Now listen to this. The next day I went by there. And several come out of there and hear that woman come, carry that little baby. She got on the bus. She sat down. And I went by a trailer park where I got uh, uh, some others. It's all all Hispanic and they're all a a whole Hispanic trailer park. And I went by there and I got a little old boy comes named Esau. He's about 11, I guess, about 10 or 11. And I got to get him out of bed. I'm not exaggerating. Every Sunday. Get him out of bed every Sunday. I go knock on the side of the trailer. And if he don't answer, I just open the door. And his bedroom's right here. I just open the door and turn my head to the right and said, Esau, get up. And, uh, and he'll raise up out of there and say, give me a minute. So I just shut the door. And I wait on the porch. And just a minute, he's dressed and ready to go. And he's out the door. And we go. Well, that Sunday, the woman came. She was the only Hispanic on the bus that I had. And nobody could say a word to her except what I told you. And this little boy, his family can't speak any English except him. Because he goes to school, you know. And Esau, I knocked on the door and he opened the door and I said, Esau. He said, I'm not going today. I said, yes, you are. He said, I don't feel good. I'm not going to go today. I said, Esau, look, I got a woman on my bus today going to hell. And I can't talk to her. And I need you to get on this bus to help me translate. I got to talk to this woman, try to get her saved. And you get out of that bed and get your tennis shoes on. (laughs) And let's go. And just in about two or three minutes here, he come out the door. And he was just moping, you know. 
and we got up on the bus and I said, and we got up on the bus, Brother Steve, we're going down the road and I said, now Eshock, you sit down right here and I want everything I tell you, every word I say, I want you to tell her. And he did. And I would tell him, you know, the plan of salvation. I'd tell him three or four verses and tell him what I was saying and just breaking it down, you know. And, and then he would tell her and then he'd look back at me. And then I'd tell her and she'd shake her head. And, 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 and I said, you telling her? He said, yes, everything you're saying, I'm telling her. And, and we got down the end of it. I said, ask her, will she pray and receive Jesus in her heart? And he put his hands together and asked her, would she pray and ask Jesus? And Brother Steve, she put her hands together. And she said, yes, she would. That woman got saved on that bus coming in. That Sunday, we'd send her over to the Spanish church. You know what I'm talking about, don't you, Brother Melvin? Christy Ortigo. And she walked the aisle that Sunday, got saved, and baptized her, and she's still coming. And, and, and she got out of that shelter and moved in a, a, a house in the basement. These people's letting her rent. She got that whole family over where she's staying. She's got about five or six of them coming. And now she's got a whole family coming. And they're all driving in. They're not on the bus. Amen. Now, you said, preacher, that's a bizarre story. I know it. But what I'm trying to tell you is if you'll just make an effort. Yes, Do you see how little that you got? Know? I know about five words. El Pastor, Manana, Iglesia, Auto boost. That's all I knew to tell her right there. And she got enough out of that. She got on the bus and come. And then God put a little boy on there so I could tell that little boy to tell that woman. And that woman got saved. And I mean, she's got it. She's coming. Isn't that amazing? You say, well, pastor, how did all that take place? It's the king's business. See, there's the urgency of the king's business. But let me just say, it's a, uh, the king's business is a required business. It's a revealed business. He'll show you what to do. And he'll show you where to do it. You see, he'll show you what to do. Now let me say this right here. It's a responsible business. The king's business is a responsible business. Do you know that God wants you and me, we're going to be held a, a, accountable for not telling people. Do you know that Ezekiel, and I won't turn over there, but Ezekiel chapter three, that God told Ezekiel that he was as a watchman on the wall to be watching and to warn those that did not know of the wrath to come. And he said, if you warn them, he said, then their blood will I require on their own hands. But if you fail to warn them, their blood will I require on thy hands. I want to show you a startling verse. And, and when I read Proverbs, I can't help it, but every time I read this verse, I think about our responsibility in the king's business. Look at Proverbs chapter 24. Look at Proverbs chapter number 24. And look at verse number 10. Proverbs 24 and verse 10. Proverbs 24, 10, if you've got it, look with me here. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. If thou forbear, look at this, verse 11. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it and he that keepeth thy soul, doth he not know it? And shall not he render every man according to his works? In other words, if we say we don't know it's our responsibility, he said, God knows that you know that it is your responsibility. That's what that's saying. We can't say we didn't know it. We do know it. We're responsible for telling people. You know, I, I, I was in Gullion's bookstore one day over here in Statesville. And preacher, I was in the bookstore and I heard a man with a loud northern accent in there. 
And I was standing on one side of the store and I heard him over there and he was loud. And, and he come in and he said to this, he said to this uh, uh, girl working behind the counter at Gulliage, he said, hey, let me ask you something. He said, you got any chick tracks? She said, yes, sir. How many do you want? He said, I want all you got. He didn't say how many you got. He said, I want every one you got. I'll use them. And, and he just blurted it out. He said, I was a whoremonger, a liar, a drunk, a dopehead, and a God blasphemer and a God hater. And God used one of them gospel tracts to get me saved. Now listen to what he said. And he told that girl, he said, I was a student at Rutgers University. And one day I was walking across the campus of Rutgers and a man just walked by me and handed me a chick track. Y'all know what I'm talking about, them old chick tracks. They're, just, they're, they're a little storybook kind of a track written by a man named Jack Chick. I think he's dead now. But anyhow, he said, a man just walked by me and handed it to me. He said, take this and read it. He said, and I took it. And he said, I stopped and read it. I think it was the one, this is the story of your life. He said, I read that thing. He said, and conviction come all over me. And I went and found a man that I thought was a Christian, and he was, and said, sir, could you do me a favor? He said, could you explain this a little bit better to me in here and just explain this and see if I'm understanding it right? He said, do I need to ask God to save me and forgive me? And this man went through it again with him and explained. He said, yes, that's what you need to do. And he said, I got on my knees right there after I read that track and said, oh God. He said, I'm the wickedest rascal he said in the world. And he said, I got saved and he said, and I went and found a church and got baptized and got in that church and God called me to preach and he said, I'm an evangelist. But he said, I spend all of my time out handing out tracts. And he said this, I've never seen that man again that handed me that tract. And he said this to that woman, I wished I could find him. I'd run and hug him and kiss him and thank him for what he did. You know what that old boy, you know who it was? I can tell him who it was. It was a man in the king's business. It was just somebody that was in the king's business. And brother, it don't really matter who he was, he was he, but he was faithful to the king's business. Do you know that everybody in Calvary Baptist Church can get you some tracts from your church and wherever you go, you can just be a blessing. You can just hand them out. And do you know something that God can use you in the king's business? And let me tell you something. It's a required business. It's a, it's a, a revealed business. And then it's a responsible business. We're going to face God for not being in his business. Amen. See, you've heard me, I think, up here tell you about Brother Steve Carl Hatch came to our church every year. Didn't you have him up here one year? You never did have Brother Hatch. He came to our church every year and he was the boldest I've ever met in my life. He was unbelievable. He came to our church and we took him out to eat at the Cracker Barrel. We got in the Cracker Barrel and old Brother Hatch was a sharp dresser. I mean, he dressed sharp. We got in that Cracker Barrel and him and his wife and me and my wife and he walks up to the girl where you ask, you know, for seating. And he said... Uh, I said, we need four here for Cox family. And she said, okay, I'll write that down. And old Hatch just spoke up and said, ma'am, you didn't know you had an ambassador in here tonight, did you? <laughs> and that woman looked at him and said, sir. And he said, you didn't know you had an ambassador in here, did you? She said, you're an ambassador? He said, that's right. She said, well, we've never had an, a real ambassador in the, in the Cracker Barrel. He said, well, you got one tonight. <laughs> you know, the Bible said in Corinthians that we're ambassadors. That's what he was talking about. That ain't what she was thinking about, but that's what he was talking about. <laughs> and 
So she said, well, I'm gonna go get the manager. He said, go get him. <laughs> uh, you'd have to know him. I mean, man, he was, he was something. And, and he went and got him and said, so you're a real ambassador? Yes, sir. Well, sir, we're honored you're here. We're just thrilled. And you know, he was an evangelist holding me to my church. He said, well, you're, you're welcome. We're glad to be here. And he said, well, is there anything we can do for you? He said, he said, is it all right? He said, if I just say one word or two behind this podium up here, you know, where they, they call people to the table. <laughs> well, yes, sir. You go right ahead. Old Brother Hatch walks up and said, and you have to, his voice was raspy where he preached it out. He said, ladies and gentlemen, this is Ambassador Hatch. And he said, I represent a country where there's no sickness over there. He said, I represent a country where there's no cemeteries in the whole country. There's no sick people. Never been a, never been a funeral there. Never been anything. No sickness, no hospitals. And he goes on and on about this city and all the things that's not there. He said, if you'd like to live there for the rest of your life, you come over to my table. I'll be sitting over here. You come over here and sit down and talk to me and I'll, I'll tell you how to get in that city and how to get in that country. Amen. Brother Steve, I didn't know what to do. Amen. <laughs> I thought, you know, he's going to leave here in a few days. I still got to live around here. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something though. But you know something? Folks, that's what we are to be. We are ambassadors. We are in the king's business. I said, it's a required business. It's a revealed business. He tells us what he wants us to do. And then it's a responsible business. But let me say this, it's a rewarding business. It's a rewarding business. You know, Proverbs 1130 said, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he that winneth souls is wise. But you know, Daniel 12, 3 said they that be wise shall turn many to righteousness, shall shine as the stars forever and ever. There's a reward in heaven for people that gets into king's business. Why do you think Paul was happy on his deathbed when he said, I fought a good fight, kept the faith and finished my course. Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. See? Hey, let me tell you something. It's a rewarding business. Man, it's a rewarding business. Nothing like it in all the world to get to tell somebody. And I'm telling you, folks, it, it, it requires haste. It's rewarding. You better not piddle around at this thing about trying to get your loved ones saved. You better not piddle around about trying to get your neighbors saved. We better get at it. Do you know just a few weeks ago, we got a family in our church that a woman had a nephew. This actually happened. That a woman had a nephew and I visited all day on Saturday, been out there all day on Saturday, visited. Come in about five o'clock and sit down in a chair and hadn't sat there, I'll bet I hadn't sat down 10 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes. And was going to just rest a little bit. And the phone rang and it was this woman. She said, preacher, are you still out visiting? I said, well, I just got home a little bit ago, but what, what do you need? And she said, pastor, my nephew, I just got a telephone call, is in Forsyth Hospital in, in Winston-Salem. He's dying. They said he probably don't have two hours to live. He's about to die. Two or three hours, he'll be dead. And preacher, I hate to even ask you. She said, but is there any way in this world you can go to Forsyth and try to get to him? He's in the ICU unit. She said, I know he's lost. I know he's lost. And I said, I'll go. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. I hung the phone up and my wife said, 
I had something here getting cooked. Have you got, you got time to wait and eat? And I said, no. She said, he ain't got two or three hours to live. He may not live two or three hours. I've got to go. And my wife knows I'm telling the honest truth. Brother Steve, this is not before God. This is the way it happened. I got my New Testament and I got my coat and I jumped in that old Mercury marquee of mine and I took off as hard as I could go for foresight. Now I'm telling you, I mean, I got after it. I was going down the road. I got on Interstate 40 and boy, I put it on going out through there and I thought, man, this is an emergency. I rolled in that parking lot. I jumped out and, and I literally ran to the hospital, over the hospital, went around, went in. I'll never forget it. It was six o'clock when I got in that door. It was about five minutes till six. And this young black girl there that was, they always check you in and ask you all them questions about, you know, have you had the uh, symptoms of the COVID and all that. She was getting ready to leave. So she didn't ask me nothing. She just said, have a good night. Brother, I run right by her and I went down to the information desk and I said, ma'am, have you got this boy named Michael? Have you got him in here? And she said, uh, how do you spell uh, his, his last name? And uh, I said, uh, well, this is the best I've got. She said, do you have any, uh, uh, I've got, uh, I got another one in here and his name's close. And I said, ma'am, this and here's probably an ICU. And she was just dragging around about trying to get that information. She said, and what relation do you, uh, are you? I said, ma'am, i tell you what I am. I said, I'm a, I'm a soul winner that's here to keep that man out of hell. And his, his aunt called me an hour ago and said he had about two hours to live and he's going to be in hell. That's exactly what I told that woman. Her eyes got that big. She looked at me. She said, then you better go. And I took off Brother Steve and I nearly run around there and got on that elevator and I went up there and this boy was in a lot of trouble. I mean, with the law and everything. And, and I didn't know it. I'd never seen him in my life. And, and so I got up there and walked all the way around to that ICU unit and I got in there and the door was open and I found that room and I walked right in there and that bed was propped up. That boy was sitting in the bed. They had it propped up where he was sitting up, almost sitting straight up. And he was real groggy-like and everything. And I walked over there and I said, Son, is your name Michael? And his eyes opened up and he looked. He said, Yes, my name's Michael. And I said, Michael, do you know? And I called his aunt's name and, and her uncle. He said, Yes, I know them. That's my aunt. I said, well, son, she sent me over here and told me you was really sick, bad sick. He said, I am, preacher. I am. I said, well, listen, I'm not here to give you anything else except just to tell you how you can know for sure. You know for sure you're going to heaven. And brother, I started out and I went right through the plan of salvation. He listened to me. I mean, he, 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 he woke up there and he was just as alert listening to me. And when I finished, I said, son, do you want to be saved? He said, I really do. And he bowed his head and I bowed mine and we prayed. Now listen to what I'm going to tell you. When we finished saying amen, when he prayed with me and I looked up, standing around me was three Winston-Salem police officers and about three nurses. And I looked up and I didn't know what to say. And this head nurse said, Reverend, thank you for your services, but you have to go. If I would have been 30 seconds, if I'd have been 60 seconds later than I was, I'd have never got to him. The police come and barricaded that, that room, wouldn't let anybody in or out. In three hours, that boy was in heaven. So you can think what you want to think about it not mattering about hurrying. But the king's business requires haste. The king's business. It requires haste. If you're supposed to go, don't wait. Don't wait. I can tell you story after story like that where I've led people to Christ. And listen, 
that that day or the next day or something, they were gone. Brother, let me tell you something. We better get at it. And you say, preacher, I don't know if I can do that. Look, his little girls sitting here tonight been bringing visitors. Anybody can go get in the king's business. You don't even have to have anybody to hire you. It don't have to be official. You can just say, I'm in tonight. I work for the king. You can be like cats and just tell them I'm an ambassador. Because you are. You're an ambassador. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I wonder tonight if you said, Pastor, you know, I used to be in the king's business. I used to. I used to run for him. I used to go and be a runner for the king. Some can't run as fast for the king as others. Ahimeaz could outrun Cushai, but Cushai had the message. It don't always matter who's running for the king the fastest, but who's telling the old, old story. For those who know it best, seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. I wonder how many tonight's got loved ones that's lost. Mothers and daddies, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, cousins, children, family members, neighbors, and they're lost And it just might be if you get in the king's business tonight, that's what will make the difference. I wonder if we'd come tonight. And maybe you say, well, I don't have any burden. You know, I'd come because I didn't have a burden. So God do something in my life. I don't have a burden. I don't have a burden. I don't have any burden at all to tell people. Would you please come? And so, God, help us tonight to get back in the king's business. Mama, would you come? Daddy, would you come? Who is it you're thinking of tonight that needs to hear the message of the Lord Jesus? Let's stand to our feet. Would you come? Let's pray over them tonight who they are. It might be somebody needs to be in this meeting this week. You need to get a hold of them. Would you come tonight? Please come. Teenagers, God can use you to win souls and tell people about Christ. Daddy, God can use you. Senior citizen, God can use you. Some of the best soul winners we got in our church some of the very best if they're not the best are senior citizens and if not if not that it's probably a teenager have you got a lost brother a lost mother a lost daddy a lost sister how many of you has got family members unsaved would you slip your hand up and say I got lost loved ones won't you come tonight let's pray over them tonight would you come let's pray over them As they sing tonight, let's have prayer. And then I'm going to turn it over to you, Pastor. But I hope you'll come tonight. I hope you'll come. You know, it might be there's somebody here tonight ain't even saved yourself in here tonight. You need to come. There's still people coming. There's still people coming. Lord, help us tonight to see fit to get in the king's business. To go and represent the king because it does require haste. Lord, men are lost. They're in darkness. And like they sing about the lighthouse tonight, Lord, we are the lighthouse. We're to, we're to go and tell other people. We're to shine for Christ. Please help us tonight to get burdened. Help there to be once again tears on the altars of our Baptist churches where they've dried up. We've lost our burden. We've lost our vision. 
please help us tonight to get it back. Lord, that we might multiply and grow. God, help us to start in our household and with our families. And to launch out into the deep. And we'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name. For sake, amen. Pastor, I'm gonna let you in. Hey, would you do me a favor? and just Let's just keep our heads bowed just for a moment. Just for a moment, if you will. A lot of folk using the altar. Man, I've got such a burden tonight because I just, you know, I'm wondering. And I, one of the reasons we love having Preacher Cox is because he always, he always helps us to be more burdened for the lost. Always does without fail every single year. But I was thinking about this. You know what it might be? It might be there's some lost here tonight. So I'm going to ask our personal workers to come and make sure they're in the, in the altar tonight. And so we've got some folks up here in the altar that have a Bible in their hand. And I just wonder tonight if there might be one or two or three that are here tonight. And if you were honest, if you were honest about it, you'd have to say, Pastor, I don't know for sure that I'm going to heaven when I die. I, I just, I don't know. Pastor, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven, but I'm just not sure I would go to heaven. I just wonder if there might be somebody like that here tonight or, or maybe you're here tonight and you have a loved one with you and they don't know for sure they're saved. Would you do this? If you're here tonight, you say, Preacher, I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. Would you do this right now? Would you just slip out? Would you just step out, young or old? Would you just step out and come? And we've got somebody down here with a Bible who would love to meet you and help you and pray with you. Or if you have a loved one here tonight that's with you and they don't know for sure they're saved, why don't you do this? Why don't you just come with them? Why don't you just step out right now and just come with them right now? I know sometimes these aisles, they seem really, really long. And so if you're here tonight and you, you say, preacher, I need to be saved. Why don't you just ask the person beside you, would you go with me? Would you go with me tonight? I promise you they'll go. Would you come while we wait? Pastor, I need to be saved. Would you come? Right before we go tonight. Why, he's right. I don't think we'll ever make a difference until we get a burden for our loved ones, for those that are lost without Jesus. Well, I'm here to tell you, this message challenged me tonight. I, I went to the altar. I said, Lord, help me. Help me to be a better soul winner. Help me to, help me to be a better soul winner. Folks are coming. Somebody else tonight? Good, good. Somebody else? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure about heaven. All right, good. Come on, right now. Let us take the Bible and show you how to, how to know. So Lord, I'm thankful for what you're doing right now. God, I believe there's supernatural work that's already went on and supernatural work that's going on right now. Lord, it's good to see tears in church. It's good to see tenderness. God, it's good to see hearts that, Lord, heart that, hearts that get stirred, hearts that get broken. Lord, for their families, and for their spouses, for their kids, for their parents. Lord, it's good to see those that, that see their need of Jesus. Lord, I think that's happening right now. Lord, I pray you'd, you'd continue to work. Lord, can we do this? Would you help us just to forget about the time just for a few moments? And God, help us to realize that we're in the king's business tonight. Lord, we could, we could be standing between the living and the dead right now. Lord, this service could make the difference of whether somebody ends up in heaven or hell tonight. And so, Lord, I pray that we'll put everything on hold just for a few more minutes. 
And Holy Spirit, I pray you draw men and women, boys and girls to you tonight. Lord, please do it. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Anybody else need to make a move tonight?